Hey there, whiskey noobs, and welcome to yet another installment of our Whiskey Frequently Asked Questions. As I have said before, as long as you guys have questions to ask, I will continue to answer them. This is our fifth installment of the Whiskey Frequently Asked Questions, so I'm excited to get into it. But first, I do want to mention, for those of you who are participating in Dry January, congratulations because you are on the home stretch. You are so close, and we're almost done. And give yourself a quick pat on the back, and I hope it feels good because we did a great job. Hopefully you gained something from Dry January or feel like you learned a little something about yourself through it, but if not, then I guess at least it was a practice in discipline. So without further ado, let's get into our questions for Whiskey Frequently Asked Questions number five. Once again, I won't be doing a mystery review for this episode of a mystery whiskey because it is still Dry January as of the recording of this show. So I will just be doing the questions and answers. These questions come to me through my Instagram, which I post every Wednesday on my Instagram story. I I post a sticker and ask any questions that you want to hear me answer. These can be related to whiskey directly. They could be related to any alcohol. They could be related to the podcast, just to me, or just wanting my opinion on literally anything, and I will answer the questions. As I've mentioned before, if we start getting too many of these questions, I probably won't be able to answer all of them and may have to filter them out uh, here and there. But as of right now, I'm still answering all all of them. So thank you to everybody who submitted a question and I will answer your question right now. The first question is, how do I feel about keeping glasses in the freezer? Uh, yeah, this is a technique that a lot of people use, or not really a technique as much as just a practice, where you'll keep your glass in the freezer, especially if you have a heavy glass, uh, like a thick glass or like uh, leaded crystal, something like that. And they'll keep it in the freezer, and the freezer will keep the glass very cold. And then when you put your whiskey in it, uh, it will cool off the whiskey without watering it down, similar to how like a whiskey stone would work. And I feel the same way about this that I do about whiskey stones. I think it is a different way to drink the whiskey. It's a different way to experience it. And it can be an effective way to make your whiskey cold without watering it down. So if that is your goal, I think it's a good idea. It's pretty much a one-shot thing. You know, you get your glass out of the freezer and it's frozen and it's really cold and then you pour your whiskey in it. And that's the only glass of whiskey that that glass is probably going to cool down. So uh, it's one thing that you want to keep in mind. It's not like ice where you can put whiskey in it and then grab more ice and do it again. You need to have multiple glasses in the freezer. But like I said, if your goal is to cool down your whiskey and experience it that way without watering it down, then I think it's great. I think it's just another way of tasting the whiskey and learning a little bit more about the profile of a whiskey. And I don't necessarily do this a lot personally. Um, I've mentioned before that pretty much my favorite way to drink whiskey is at room temperature. Uh, And so I don't typically practice this. And if I'm going to drink cold whiskey, a lot of times I'll put it on the rocks. Those are the two most common ways, even though neat is is easily the most common way. On the rocks is is probably the next most common way that I will drink uh, my whiskey. But that being said, I do think that this is a good practice if you want cold whiskey and it can be effective. You can also use this for big beer mugs to have your beer mugs cold as well. So it can be really effective. Another thing that you can do is put water in your glass and then freeze it. And not enough that's going to shatter it, but just a little bit. And then you have less surface area, similar to like the whiskey ice wedges that people do where there's like an ice mold that goes on the glass so that you can do that. So that's another thing that you can do if you're keeping glasses in the freezer. Next up, we have Do I Listen to Other Spirit Podcasts? And this person specifically recommended a different uh, spirit podcast. 
I do not listen to other spirit podcasts. That actually was the motivation for this podcast. Um, I knew that I, I thought it would be a good idea to make this show, but also I thought, well, let's see you know, what other podcasts there are out there about whiskey, and I didn't find very much at all in the way of that. Definitely a lot of YouTube channels, but not much in the way of podcasts. And so that's actually what led to the creation of this show, and I think I have filled that void based on the following that we have. Thank you so much to everybody who listens. But I don't listen to other spirit podcasts, and here's why. I would probably love to listen to other spirit podcasts, but it's mainly a time constraint. I, I love podcasts, like full transparency. I absolutely love podcasts. I probably would not be producing a podcast if I didn't love podcasts, right? You don't become an NFL player if you don't love football. At least I don't think so. Uh, and so I love listening to podcasts. And because of that, I typically have multiple podcasts that I'm trying to keep up with and trying to listen to. And as a result, I don't add very many podcasts uh, to my regimen or to my schedule. And as I'm driving less and less, uh, thankfully with working from home sometimes, I definitely don't uh, drive as much as I'd like to. So I don't have as much time for podcasts. But I do like podcasts, and I am trying to find ways to work them better into my day. For example, I was listening to them while I was shoveling my driveway just yesterday. And uh, anybody who is in Ohio right now, or actually I think the majority of the Midwest, knows why I was shoveling my driveway. This is as of January 18th, and we got hit with a major amount of snow. So I listened to a podcast while I was shoveling my driveway. I also listen while I'm mowing, things like that. But I don't really have the time to keep adding podcasts as much as I would like to. But I'd love to listen to other spirit podcasts, mainly because I love learning about mixing spirits and uh, cocktails and all those sorts of things. So I would probably enjoy spirit podcasts, but I do not listen to other podcasts about any kind of spirits or liquors or anything like that. The next question, back to whiskey, is my opinion on Garrison Brothers. My opinion on Garrison Brothers is that I cannot find it in Ohio, and I looked on OHLQ, which lists all the uh, inventories of state stores, and I couldn't find it, and I don't think they sell it in Ohio at all. But I will give a quick rundown, and I did a little bit of research on it just because I hadn't seen it before or heard of it, so I thought I'd do a little bit of research on it and give them, I guess, a quick brief shout out. I don't know. I can't shout them out because I haven't had it before, but just a rundown for those of you who aren't in Ohio or maybe are traveling out of Ohio and want to try it. Garrison Brothers is a bourbon distillery and they are in Texas is where they're based out of. And apparently according to their website, they're the first bourbon made outside of Kentucky. I just took a brief look at their website. It looks like they have a huge selection of different types of bourbon. So it looks really neat. And uh, neat, that pun was not on purpose, but it always happens. It looks really neat. And I think if I find them in a store, I'm absolutely going to try them because that looks really cool. And I have liked whiskeys from Texas before, which might be foreshadowing an upcoming episode in like not very long at all. But I would absolutely try them, and I recommend if you have the chance to give it a try and maybe let me know what you think since I haven't tried them yet. But Big Bourbon Distillery in Texas, apparently the first one outside of Kentucky. Seems pretty cool. They have wax on their bottles, like if you've seen Maker's Mark, how they dip their bottles in wax. They've got that kind of a thing going on. So, so it certainly seems to be worth looking into and trying. Moving on to another question about whiskey. What scotch is your favorite? This is such a loaded question. Anytime anybody asks me, what blank is your favorite? I'm like, oh man, I don't know. 
And my best answer for this with any case, with what scotch, what bourbon, what whiskey, what whiskey under $30, any of those things, my best answer is it changes pretty often. But I will tell you what scotch is my favorite right now. And I'm going to do it two different answers. I usually do this when people personally ask me because there is two answers, unless I can get you to clarify, which I can't because you posted this question already. There's two answers. There's what scotch is the all out best tasting scotch, in my opinion, that I enjoy the most to have. And there's also what scotch is my favorite if I'm paying for it and I'm footing the bill because the money aspect of it really is part of it, right? What scotch is my favorite if I'm not footing the bill? I don't know that I've had enough to say that. I haven't tried enough top shelf scotches because top shelf scotches are extraordinarily expensive. So I haven't tried enough to really have a good opinion on that. Um, to be totally transparent, probably one of the best ones I've had is either the Johnny Walker Blue that I have or the McAllen. And a lot of people think both of those are overrated because they do have excellent marketing behind them and they're nothing special, but they are the most expensive that I've had and therefore they tend to be the best tasting that I've had. But I haven't had anything real crazy expensive, uh, which is something that I'm actually hoping to get into. But as of when I launched this podcast, I launched it the week before I graduated college. So we are still feeling the weight of that brokenness. So I uh, haven't gotten quite to the really expensive sorry, really expensive scotches yet, but I am excited to do that. Now, if I'm footing the bill, that's a whole different story because most of the scotches that I've had are semi-budget middle shelf scotches. So for that question, it's probably, I'm going to have to say probably Monkey Shoulder. I really enjoy Monkey Shoulder. I've mentioned before that Monkey Shoulder is one of the first whiskeys that I had where the whole bottle, like I went back to the bottle tried it again, and still liked it. I had had the first whiskey that had ever clicked for me that I was like, hey, this actually kind of tastes good. was actually Buffalo Trace, but it was just a sip of it. And I was like, oh, that was good. Monkey Shoulder was the first whiskey that I bought the bottle when I had a glass. I was like, oh, this is good. And then I went back to it again and had a different glass, like not the same day, probably weeks later. had a different glass. I was like, oh, this is still really good. And then I went back to it again and drank the whole bottle that way. Neat. And I was like, wow, this is really good. So Monkey Shoulder does have a special place in my heart for that reason, so maybe I'm a bit biased. But you asked for my favorite, which should include bias. So my favorite, if I'm footing the bill, is Monkey Shoulder because it's not overly expensive and it's just a good, easy drink. Uh, There's another one that might tie Monkey Shoulder, but I'm definitely going to shout it out in a later question, so you'll hear about it as well. But that's probably my answer. Monkey Shoulder is so inexpensive for how good it is, for it being a scotch, so... I was really impressed by it. Everybody who I've had message me on TikTok about it or comment on my TikToks about it, they all love it most of the time as well. So I can't recommend it enough. It's one of my favorites if I'm footing the bill because it's not very expensive at all. The next question, switching over to cigars, which we did earlier this month, I had somebody ask, any tips or tricks to not smell like cigars after smoking? This is a difficult one, and I think if anybody ever figures out a really good, perfect routine for this, they'll probably die a billionaire because I think most people would pay a lot of money for it. But here is what I do if I'm trying to smoke a cigar and I don't want to smell like cigars. This is really common for me if I have something to do later that day. Maybe it's a weekend and I have time for a cigar in the morning, but I don't want to shower before the afternoon because then when I come home, I'm going to want to shower again anyways. So here's what I'll do. 
The first thing is if you're able to shower, shower and change your clothes, and that will help with the smoke. But my guess is you've already thought of that, and you're not asking this question for that reason, right? So the next thing that I would say is having a jacket that you wear when you smoke can be very helpful. Uh, having I have just an older jacket that I don't like very much, and it's warm so I can wear it outside. If it's the summertime, that's probably not quite as much of a problem because you can kind of just blow it away from you and be outside where it's nice and warm. But I'm assuming it's maybe not. Maybe you're in a confined space. And so I'll wear a jacket, and that can definitely help. I don't know that it totally fixes it, but wearing a smoking jacket can help uh, having a jacket on while you're smoking your cigar. Now, the next thing would obviously be brushing your teeth. If you haven't done that, I would recommend that. Sometimes I would brush and then mouthwash. Another thing that you may not think about is I wear a lot of baseball caps. And if you're wearing a baseball hat with the bill, you know, hanging out, this would go for any hat that has a large brim or bill. It's going to catch a lot of that smoke. It's going to go right up into your hat. So either change hats or don't wear a hat because the hat's probably going to hold that smoke right down by your face and it's going to increase the amount that you're in contact with the cigar smoke. So it'll probably increase the amount that you smell like it. Lastly, I do have a tip that I actually got from a friend. I can't vouch for this because I've never tried it. Uh, I just recently was told this and I was like, I'm writing that down because I know that that's one of my Q&A questions for this month. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if this is a real thing. I don't know if this is safe necessarily. I think it is, but I really don't know. Uh, and I don't know if it works or not, but I will say I was told if you get done smoking a cigar, obviously one of the biggest things that smells is usually your mouth, right? So I was told to use a mouth rinse. It's called TheraBreath. I looked it up. I hadn't even heard of it before this. Use that mouth rinse, then gargle with peroxide, which I know you can do. They say to do that actually for a sore throat, but you got to be very careful because you don't want to swallow peroxide. That'll kill you. So uh, if you gargle peroxide, a nice weak solution of it, and then spit it out and then rinse out with water or whatever, and then immediately brush your teeth. So TheraBreath, then gargle peroxide, then brush your teeth, or gargle slash swish peroxide, I'm guessing it's gargle, uh, then brush your teeth. Apparently, that helps get rid of the cigar taste slash smell in your mouth. Once again, I'm not saying that I recommend it. I have no grounds to recommend it. I'm just saying what I have been told. I don't know if that's even safe or not. Do your research before doing it. That's just a trick that I was told. So best, best case scenario, don't wear a hat wear a smoking jacket, and then wash out your mouth by some form, hopefully at least brushing your teeth, and then also I use mouthwash sometimes. Haven't tried that last trick, but we'll see. I don't know if it works. I'll probably try it here in the future. Next question, once again bringing it back to whiskey, is there a difference between foolproof and barrel-proof? This is a good question because it's kind of nuanced, okay? The short answer is yes, there's a difference. The long answer goes something like this. So barrel proof, barrel strength, cask strength, all of those words typically mean the same exact thing. They mean that they took the whiskey out of whatever it was aging in, filtered it, whatever they're going to do to clean it up, and put it in a bottle. And that is what was done to it. So the proof that it was coming out of that barrel is the proof that it is going into that bottle. I believe that full proof has been used to mean this. However, I know for a fact that foolproof can be used to mean something entirely different. What foolproof can mean is they take the whiskey out of the barrel and then they proof it down to whatever proof it was when it came out of the still. 
because those are different proofs, right? So it comes out of the still at a certain proof. Then they put it in a barrel. They do whatever they're going to do. And then they put it in a barrel and age it. And through that aging process, the proof is going to change as well. So what they'll do is they'll take it out of the barrel, they'll filter it, whatever, and they will proof it down to whatever proof it was when it came out of the still. And you can have a lot more consistency that way, obviously, because then you're proofing it down with water. So then you can have a whole bunch of bottles that are all the same proof. So that is what foolproof has meant uh, in the past. So they are technically different and at least can be used different. But as far as I know, the only way barrel proof has ever been used is to mean that the whiskey is the proof that it was when it came out of the barrel. Usually that's extremely strong. Usually foolproof will be a little bit less strong than barrel proof, typically speaking in generalities. The next question, we've got another one that doesn't relate to whiskey, so thank you guys. You're really changing up, and it's, it's a breath of fresh air. I'm glad to know that people like my show enough to want to know these things about me. Anyways, I'll stop spewing. The next question is what my favorite book is. Books are a lot like scotch for me. I don't know that I've had enough to recommend a favorite, but I do have a favorite, obviously. So I read all the normal books that you read, like in school and whatnot. And I've actually very recently been trying to get back into reading. I'll read a lot in the mornings, especially if I'm not driving then, and I don't have a podcast, then I'll read a book. And so what I am almost finished with right now, and is on pace to be my favorite book. I don't know if you want fiction or nonfiction. Maybe I should give one of each. But my favorite nonfiction, philosophy, life, whatever book right now is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. For those of you who don't know, it's a book just generally about Christianity. It's not necessarily, it's probably as far from Bible thumping, quote unquote, as you can get while still describing Christianity. It's actually meant to be that sort of a way. At any rate, it lays out the foundation for what Christians actually believe, because most people don't fully understand what it is that Christians actually believe. Most people who are trying to disavow Christianity will use straw man arguments and say, well, you believe this and that's dumb and it's not what Christians actually believe. So this book is kind of meant to address that. And it's one of the absolutely most relevant books that I've ever read in terms of my faith. And also, for those of you who are not Christian, I think it's really good just to understand Christianity. If you're not Christian and you're just open-minded and want to know what Christians think, and you're not like you're like you're not going to convince me, I don't care what you think, but or I don't care how convincing you are, you're not going to convince me, but you're curious as to what a Christian does think, this is a great book as well. I think most people would have to read this book or something similar before necessarily giving an argument for or against Christianity, at least Christianity in the sense that C.S. Lewis is talking about it in that book. Anyhow, a great book. I don't want to bring my religion into this too much. I don't want it to be political. Um, and I don't mean for this to seem like I'm pushing my religion on you. It's just genuinely a fantastic book and makes me feel good when I read it in the morning. So I really enjoy it. Now, Let's take it back a notch and get a little bit less serious because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm trying to push my politics on you. So what is my favorite non or fiction book? Sorry, that was nonfiction. Fiction book. That's a tough one. and I'm going to have to go back to uh, school days and think of a book that I would have read in school because I don't read a lot of fiction nowadays. I would like to read the Lord of the Rings books, but... Uh, what would be a good fiction book? Let me think. I loved the Hunger Games trilogy in school when I had to read that. I was a really big fan of it, and I cooked through it. It was one of those where you're supposed to read it over the course of like a month. I read the first Hunger Games book probably in like a week and a half. Really big into those books. I really enjoyed those. And 
other than that, I don't have a lot of favorites for nonfiction or for fiction. Jeez, I keep saying nonfiction. Mainly because, like I said, I don't read a lot of fiction in my leisure time. And so all that I really have are the school books. And school kind of ruins books for you a lot of the time because you got to do all this work surrounding the book instead of just enjoying the book. And it took me a long time to get back to books because of that reason. I hated all the worksheets and the essays and all that. Uh, but that was one of my favorites. I also liked, uh, it's either Boy's Life or A Boy's Life. I don't remember the author, so I'm sorry. This is just coming off the top of my head. I had to read that in high school. I remember really enjoying that as well because it's kind of a mesh between realistic fiction and just fiction, not realistic at all, because it kind of goes between actual events that could happen to a boy growing up and then it mixes in their imagination and things that are actually just going on in their head they're not actually real and it's a pretty neat way to read a book where you're kind of melting between the realistic and the not realistic so I enjoyed that one in high school as well so those are three of my favorite books I guess you got more than you bargained for there but I guess I realized while answering the question that the distinction between fiction and nonfiction is pretty important I am building a list of books that I want to read, most of which are, are nonfiction or like advice, philosophy, those sort of thing type books. Philosophy is a fun like part-time hobby of mine. I really enjoyed it in college and there's not a ton of careers in it. So I just read about it instead. But those are my favorite books. Let me know if you have any awesome book recommendations. If anybody wants to shoot me a message and be like, you got to read this book, then I absolutely will. Because like I said, I'm building a list of books that I want to read. So that's my favorite three books, I guess. Moving on to the next one, another one of my favorites, and this is going to be a good question because it's not about whiskey, but it is about alcohol, and I don't get asked a lot about my opinions on non-whiskey alcohols. This question is, do I have any favorite clear liquors? My overall favorite clear liquor, well, if I'm not allowed to say moonshine because moonshine is a whiskey, but I'm assuming you mean like you buy at a store. My overall favorite clear liquor is, of course, another liquor that's not always clear, and that's tequila. I love the taste of tequila. I love mixing tequila, and I also love just the taste of it in general. Um, I really enjoy the different types. I think that's something that's kind of cool with tequila is you have almost, I don't want to say distinct, but three mostly distinct categories of the the darkness, the age of it. You can have completely clear. You can have reposado. You can have añejo. It's probably one of the next closest uh, counterparts to whiskey uh, where tequila also has a good flavor palette, different flavors to it, all kinds of different aromas. I know people feel the same way about gin, and I would like to try gin to see if I would feel the same way about it, but I haven't actually ever done like a tasting of gin, ever, actually. So that would be something cool to maybe try on the show. But for right now, my favorite clear uh, liquor would be tequila. The next question would be a good single malt beginner whiskey. This question is the reason that I did not mention Glenfiddich in my favorite scotch question because I really, really enjoyed the Glenfiddich 12 year that we had on the show. And it's one of the best single malt beginner whiskeys that I have had. And when I say beginner, I always consider it something relatively inexpensive, which actually might be what disqualifies Glenfiddich. So my answer to somebody who's really a beginner and really just getting into it would actually be, be Glenmorangie Tenure. It's a very just basic scotch flavor. It's single malt. It gives you that single malt flavor. It's a highland. It's not uh, peated at all, so it's rather welcoming. And it'll just give you that general single malt palette that you're probably looking for. And it's absolutely inexpensive. I believe it's like $34, which for scotch, at least around me, is pretty cheap. Scotches always tend to be expensive. So if you're looking to get into single malts and you just want to try something and be like, 
what is just a general single malt flavor? I think Glenmorangie 10 year is really good for that. And keep in mind that it's a, a less expensive single malt, right? So it's going to have not maybe as much smoothness, might not have as much of the pleasant notes as you'd want. Like it has some pleasant notes. It has some unpleasant taste to it. But I think it's really good to just see what's a single malt generally going to taste like. And from there you can build. I think Glenfiddich's another really good one. And it tastes to me pretty different from Glenmorangie. So you can kind of get two different ends of the spectrum between those two. But those are two of my favorite single malt beginner whiskeys, less expensive. Once again, I don't know as much about scotch. We're getting into it and I really do enjoy it. Uh, but we have a couple scotch episodes coming up here soon as well. So we'll be hearing a lot more about categories outside of just bourbon, but don't get me wrong. I absolutely love bourbon. The next question begins with, I am new to whiskey slash alcohol. Is it going to take a long time to actually taste flavors in whiskey? Uh, I'm glad glad you mentioned whiskey slash alcohol because one of the things I always say is if you've been into alcohol for a while, like maybe you've taken shots through college or whatever, or maybe you've drank other things straight, then maybe you can get into whiskey a lot quicker. But I'm glad you mentioned you're new to alcohol as well because that's going to add a little bit of challenge, okay? Alcohol in general is something to get used to. And then drinking alcohol straight is something entirely different to get used to. So the answer is yes, it's going to take a long time to actually taste flavors, but it's really relative depending on your definition of a long time and depending on how much you're working on it. Uh, If you just buy one bottle of whiskey and maybe you pull it off the shelf once a month and try it, then it's going to take some time for you to get used to tasting the flavors out of whiskey and not just tasting the alcohol. But if you are working towards it, it can vary pretty hugely person to person. It can be a pretty huge variance. Some people, they'll pick up on it right away and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I get it. I get why this tastes good now. And some people, it'll take a lot of time and they just can't get past that initial alcohol burn. And that is what's tough. The best thing that I can recommend you do is all the tips that I lay out in the first few episodes of this podcast. If you don't want to go back and listen to them right now, I'll give you the cliff notes. And I actually just did this in a TikTok that I posted a couple today, maybe a couple days ago. I just posted a TikTok about this, but my best tips for getting into it and kind of expediting the process. One way is you can kind of consistently drink neat whiskey and you're just going to get used to it. And it, it it's kind of the brute force method. It's not for the faint of heart and it's going to be gross at first. That's how I did it because I didn't know any better. But the other method that I recommend is episode two of this show, and that is mixing a less and less and less mixer every time. So start by doing like one shot of whiskey and like three shots of 7-Up, preferably something that you can still get the whiskey flavor from, not something that's going to super cover it up like Coke would. I recommend ginger ale, 7-Up Sprite, uh, Sierra Mist, something like that. If you do that, then you can slowly mix less and less. So like one shot of whiskey, three shots of your mixer, then two shots of whiskey and two shots of your mixer, etc. And you can get less and less mixer until you develop the palate for whiskey and it doesn't taste as strong. Whichever method you use, brute force or that method, you're going to end up being able to drink whiskey. Then it might be hard to taste the flavors. You might be like, whiskey tastes good, but it just tastes like whiskey. So then the next thing that I would recommend you do would be to taste two very different whiskeys side by side. I always recommend pulling from two different categories. I recommend that it's not two similar categories, kind of like scotch and Irish. They can be kind of similar. So you could do probably a bourbon and either a scotch or an Irish would be my recommendation. Try to get something that tastes pretty different. You're going to taste those side by side. Not too much, otherwise you're going to get too intoxicated to understand the flavors because you're having two glasses of whiskey at the same time. But take two small glasses, 
try them side by side, see what you think, and try to recognize the differences that you're tasting. You don't have to put words to it yet. Like you don't have to say, well, this one has caramel and this one has a vanilla. You don't have to be able to do that yet. But just try to be like, oh, this one has something that I can't put a name to, and this one doesn't. But this one that doesn't have that does have this something. And get a feel for that between different categories and things that taste super different. Once you've got a good feel for that, and that might not happen in the first sitting either. It might take a couple tries. Once you have a good feel for that, now you're ready to start looking for flavors. And so from there, I recommend either with the dual tasting, with the two opposites, or just with one whiskey. You look up a flavor list. There is a Whiskey Noobs flavor list, which I haven't sent out in a while, so I should send out the flavor note list here soon. Uh, There is a flavor list that I made for the show, but you can find flavor lists all over the internet. Uh, Flavor wheels, they make them for whiskey, they make them for cigar smoking. You can find them everywhere, and those will typically break it down into categories. So you'll have like a category of bakery sweets, and you'll have a category of like wood. You'll have a category of fruitiness. It'll break it down into those main categories, and then those main categories will have specific notes. So it might break it down into fruitiness, but then you might have apple, you might have light fruit or dark fruit, you might have grape, you might have real specific fruits like cherries. And those are extremely helpful because you can tune your skill as you go. You can start by just saying, okay, I think I taste fruit. Okay, I think I taste bakery notes. Okay, I think I taste candy. And then as you get good at nailing those down, you can start getting a little bit more specific. That's absolutely the best way to go is just slowly get better and better and better. But the first step is always to be able to taste the whiskey without it being disgusting to you. Be able to drink it and think, this tastes vaguely pleasant. I'd like to taste more of it. So that is my answer to that question. It was a lot shorter on the TikTok, but I thought I had a little bit more time to go a little bit more in-depth because that's an important question. It was really the basis for this show. So how do you get into whiskey and alcohol? I would say that that is the best route that I have seen, and I've seen it work on people, people that I personally know, people that you've I've had on the show and you've heard on the show. So that's my favorite way to get somebody into whiskey and into truly tasting and experiencing the whiskey. The next question is my thoughts on Jameson Black Barrel. I've actually seen a lot about Jameson Black Barrel recently. I don't know where it came from. I enjoyed Jameson Black Barrel. Not to be like that guy that's like, ooh, I liked it before before everybody else did. But I believe it was not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before that. I really was into Jameson Black Barrel. My dad got a bottle of it as a gift, and I was trying it. I was like, this is really good. So I really enjoy Jameson Black Barrel. I like it, the flavor palette of it more than normal Jameson. Uh, Don't discount it if you've had normal Jameson and you've disliked it. This is more of their sipping whiskey, whereas normal Jameson is more of like their mixing whiskey. I really enjoy it. I haven't had it for a very long time, so I can't really give like the flavor notes that I got from it. But it is similar to Jameson. It's just like, like better tasting Jameson, less bitter, less harsh, way smoother. Um, and more sweetness, more sweet, nice flavors to it. That's I got to be a little bit vague because I don't have a glass of it in front of me, but I do really enjoy it, and I worry that people discount it because they've had normal Jameson, and so don't discount it if you've had normal Jameson and didn't like it. I very much enjoy Jameson Black Barrel. The last question, we saved the best for last. I'm just kidding. All these questions were equally good, but I just do them in the order that I pull them off of Instagram. So everybody's a winner. You get your participation trophy for sending in your question. The last question is my favorite whiskey under $30 that you can find at Trader Joe's. Now, I don't shop at Trader Joe's. I don't think there are actually any Trader Joe's very close to me at all. But I'm going to take this as 
Chris, I've been listening to the podcast. I want to hear your favorite whiskey under $30, but don't say Buffalo Trace because that's hard to find for me. (laughs) That's my guess. So I'm going to take this as my favorite whiskey under $30 that is relatively accessible. Now, this is a difficult question because when you start getting under $30, you start getting into the real hit or miss territory. With a more expensive whiskey, it can not be your profile, but you still enjoy it because it's still well put together. With a less expensive whiskey, they're typically a little bit more harsh. And so if it's not your profile, you're absolutely going to hate it. And a great example of this is the amount of people that I recently learned despise Bullet Bourbon because I like Bullet Bourbon a lot. It is probably my personal favorite whiskey under $30 uh, because it just it's just a solid whiskey. Like It's nothing to write home about. It's not amazing, but it's also really cheap. So I just enjoyed the taste of it. Um, I'm not I don't have anything specific that I like about it. It's not overly complex. It's not overly smooth. It just is a great, solid bourbon-flavored whiskey for me. But probably the best whiskey under $30, I'm going to stick with bourbon just because I don't drink a lot of Irish or scotch under $30. Probably the best whiskey, if I was like, hey, try this and see if you like it. If it was a person capable of drinking slightly higher proof stuff, I'd probably say Wild Turkey 101 because Wild Turkey 101 is an absolute staple. It's one of the most, if not the most, that I've had complex whiskeys at its price point. And so it's super enjoyable. But the reason I don't recommend that a lot to beginners is because it's 101 proof. So if 80 proof is still strong to you, then 101 proof is not going to be it. It's not going to be it for you. So to recommend that, I would say I I would recommend it if you can handle the 101 proof. If you're not sure you can, I'd recommend Bullet or I'd also recommend the normal Four Roses. I really enjoy that uh, drink as well. But once again, it's one of those where if it's not your flavor palette, it's going to be a little bit harsh for you. And in my personal opinion, I've gotten more harshness from the Four Roses than I have from the Bullet. But I know a lot of people who don't like Bullet at all, and they say that they'll only mix it which makes me a little cautious to recommend it because I think, well, maybe it's just specifically just really nails something that I enjoy, a flavor profile that I really enjoy. So if you don't enjoy that, you might hate it. So you're going to get three recommendations. You're going to get Wild Turkey 101, probably for the best overall in its price range. You're going to get Bullet for my personal favorite, bias included, my personal favorite under $30. And then you're going to get an honorable mention from Four Roses because I think it's pretty good and it's really inexpensive as well. So those are all of the questions that we had for today. Hopefully you guys got the answers that you were looking for, but if you, if I didn't interpret your question correctly or if you want to try again, absolutely. Once again, every Wednesday on the Instagram, at whiskey underscore noobs, you can submit a question, and I will answer it on the show as long as time permits. So far, so good. We're able to answer all the questions, and I will continue to run through them all. Thank you so much to everybody who posted a question. I love doing this, and I love hearing what you guys want to know, things that I haven't covered, spots that I've missed. I absolutely love it. I will continue to do these Q&A episodes once a month, these FAQ, Frequently Asked Question episodes, once a month because I very much enjoy them. Hopefully you guys do too. Once again, thank you to everybody who submitted one. Thank you to everybody who listened and supported the show. But that is all that we've got for today, so I will leave you with the slogan, if you want to learn to drink, you've got to drink in order to learn. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, it only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol